Hey, good morning, Patriots. And today is Monday, January 29th in the year 2024. I'm looking really excited to share an interview with you in the next day or so. And we just did this interview before the show. And it was with Corey Terry, who's Special Forces Team Sergeant Retired, along with his interpreter, who is Muhammad Rafi Sami, who has come over here to be an American citizen. And I'm going to tell you, it was an anointed interview to hear this discussion about building bridges of peace truly from a man sammy who has lived war and been ravaged by war and his perspectives and his love for the constitution his love for this nation it's a wonderful 
reminder, truly, of the time in which we live in the need for us to be reaching out and building bridges. And quite frankly, going to the core of what I've spent so many years doing in Afghanistan. And I, Corey is one of those elite operators that I'm blessed to have called brother and friend. And I had the privilege of working alongside of those men. And much of the work that I did literally was to sit across from Afghan leaders and warlords and Taliban and to break bread and to hear the stories and to get to understand how what our differences were. That's engagement. That's literally listening to the heart of the individual. And not everybody's good. Trust me, there's some bad people out there. But in the process, you build these amazing relationships and um, your interpreter becomes your that part of your life. And that's what this interview is really getting to the heart of is how we get past our differences to rely on one another and truly see the heart of another. And it's so important right now because if we aren't building these bridges to start seeing the heart of one another, we're not seeing the world through the heart of father. And as we do that, we have to step aside from so much of the propagandized differences and hate that has been inoculated into us and literally to the root of so much of how we see life. Very important. I mean, we have more hate between churches than than we can possibly imagine. I mean, literally, Baptists, Methodists, and, and just to name two, there's, we have all these other faiths. And we should be all speaking together in the body of Christ, but we get these divisions and we wouldn't want to talk to each other and my church is better than your church. That's not, that's not of God. And so it gets even more difficult when we start to bridge across to see the heart of people. And we're talking about this nation and trying to bridge across to see the heart of another who doesn't walk in our same faith, but still is deep in his faith and his belief in unity and in, and in God. So I, I'm, it's a good reminder this morning, really, of where we all need to be striving. And it's a, it'll be a great interview. And it might be up tonight. I have to kind of see how the day goes, but it might be. Before we get going today, I just want to speak to this time in which we're in. We are literally being run by pedophile elites. These are crazy Satanist pedophile elites that are ruling the world and trying to destroy everybody and subjugate everybody and divide us. And as we come to that awakening of who they are and what they've been doing to us, they're going to do anything they can to try to prevent us from coming together. And so with that, one of the things that we are having to realize is they're willing to go to all ends and all extents to literally cover their tracks. Part of that is trying to erase their knowledge that we relied on in a digital sphere. And the way they can do that is an EMP and other types of horrific events that would result from that. They also, since we're also in this era of weather warfare, we, lightning strikes become another real issue. And then, of course, with the media, everything that we learn and know, they hide. So even if there was some sort of cataclysmic event like a solar storm, you would never know. The whole point of this is you need to be prepared. And unfortunately, whether we like it or not, we live in an era when deception and war are real and we have to take preparations necessary for that. So this is why we have EMP Shield, one of those pieces in that puzzle of preparation that's necessary. EMPShield.com, EMPShield.com. You can use your promo code BARDS there for a $50 off deduction or reduction off of each device and then free shipping. They're a great company, a veteran-owned company, American-made product. 
and tested in American labs, designed to protect your household, your vehicles, your ATVs, your RVs, your your generator systems, your solar systems, your ham-based radio system, all of these things to protect them against these sorts of surges that can overload the systems and then leave you completely dark and without the capacity to use the equipment that we have. Like it or not, we're dependent on a lot of these electronic devices that are embedded in nearly everything. And while that might be nice to talk about going to the Amish way, we really don't have that option yet. So take the time, check out empshield.com, empshield.com. Use your promo code BARDS. Great investment. That'll give you $50 off of every device. It's a great investment to have, and it's an insurance policy that, quite frankly, is well worth the money not knowing where we're going or how crazy these fools are going to make it, but it gives us a chance to endure and overcome their threat. So again, empshield.com, promo code BARDS, $50 off and free shipping. It's great. I want to start with a, a story, and it's interesting how quickly things change in the digital world. This is a story that was sent to me this morning, and it, the headline is, President it says, President needs to order lethal response to killing of U.S. Green Berets in Jordan. The escalation of war, once again. And, of course, these are people. Alaska U.S. Senator Dan Sullivan, a member of the Senate Armed Services Committee, said a red line has been crossed with the killing of three members of the U.S. military in an attack by Iranian-backed proxies that wounded over two dozen more American military members. It was the first time U.S. troops have been killed since October 7th when Hamas invaded Israel, upsetting the fragile peace in the region. Since then, troops were warded off over 150 attacks on them by drones and missiles Missiles since the previous attacks only resulted in minor injuries and damage to American equipment and infrastructure. Now, this is what's important, and they actually made this correction this morning. An earlier version of this report mistakenly identified the men killed. The names will be updated here when available. When they first put this story out, this morning, they listed and showed the faces of three special forces men that were killed a long time ago, not this war. They repeated the deaths of three men. Now, apparently they got called out. But since this morning, because this this was sent to me, and I picked it up this morning at about 4.30 a.m., and we are now two hours and a half later, and they've already removed the faces of those men because they had their faces up and updated the article. This is the information war, and I want to be very clear. Number one, whoever released those names, that is, there, there's no retaking back that damage. That's dishonoring their families. It's reopening wounds. It's using the dead to provoke a new war. So that I want to be clear. Secondly, whoever the numbskull was that published this and tried to think they were going to get away with it. Obviously, they got called out, and I'm glad to see that. But the truth is that they were trying to use names and special forces names of dead, be clear about this, to to incite the, the rage and support for Alaska U.S. Senator Dan Sullivan's push for war. The time we are in right now is a, is a time of deception. And they are using everything they can to provoke that ire and that that angst and that fear to go to war. This war right now they're trying to provoke is with Iran. Now, I'm not going to get into the details of her, Iran's 
government, but I'm going to say this, and I find this very curious. In the Middle East, Iran has the fastest growing Christian population. In fact, it's one of the fastest growing Christian populations in the world. And we want to go to full-on nuclear war with Iran. This is literally how they're trying to escalate this. Obviously, the war in, that Israel wants to drag us into, their Kazarian mafia government that wants to drag us into the war isn't working. And Israel's losing support. They're losing support in this country. They're losing support around the world. As we discover in the depths of being able to even speak out against that, you can be arrested. Even in this country, you can be charged with, with hate crimes for speaking against Israel. This is the world we live in. And I need to be very clear that we cannot live in an era when anybody is above reproach. I'll just give you a simple example. I've made what I consider justifiable criticisms towards people in our own movement. One would be General Flynn, and one has been uh, President Trump. To this day, I still get hate mail saying that I have I've betrayed the movement, that I have turned against and defamed these people. If we are going to be an honest society and walk within that umbrella of truth, myself included, nobody is above criticism and nobody is above reproach. If there's things that are done that we need to question, they need to be questioned. We are, we are still living in a cultist mentality in this nation where we are worshiping presidents, we are worshiping leaders as if they are beyond any sort of harm or, or any sort of wrongdoing. That's not true. Part of holding ourselves accountable, especially in the public space, is to question things. And until somebody has walked that path of being hammered by things, which, believe me, <laughs> sit in my seat for a while, uh, People that it's easy for people to throw stones, and it's very difficult for people to sit back and listen to the questions. I will, as I've said here many times, it's been a long time since I brought this discussion up, but I all will always question things, if especially with major influencers, when decisions could have saved lives. I've questioned President Trump heavily on the ivermectin issue, or on the vax issue versus the promotion of the vax, and you know that. I've also I also questioned. The, the position that General Flynn took in not being publicly disclosing about the fact his family took ivermectin at a very critical moment when lives could have been saved. Does that mean I am against General Flynn? No, but I will question a commander's decision because it could have saved lives. And that's ultimately what we're trying to do here. So we have to be very we have to be able to question these things, just like Israel. I have had so many people literally tell me, you have to pray for Israel because the Bible says so. And I'm like, there is nowhere in the Bible it says pray for a Satanist government that's trying to destroy its own people in the world. That just doesn't happen. And it doesn't happen as well with a country that was purchased by Rothschild's money and literally structured and engineered to bring about the fake end of world, which comes from the Schofield Bible and the whole concept of the end of times prophecy. That was an engineered concept that people have such a hard time understanding the magnitude of wealth we are dealing with and power at the level of these global elites. Instead, we need to be looking at the heart of this matter. And the heart of this matter is that we need to be looking at 90% plus of Israelis have been, have been injected, that it's becoming nearly illegal in parts of Israel to speak the word Jesus. Those should be some big indicators, right? So again, here we are with this manipulation and 
as we see how the, the media works, most of what they are doing is to try to provoke these insightful hatred between each other and the sides to have us see each other, not through the lens of the heart of God, but rather through the lens of the, the eyes of hatred, division, and deceit. When you use, going back to this article, when you have our senators rattling the saber of wanting to go to war, we know right away that what's behind them is an engine of the military-industrial complex that wants to sacrifice more bodies, more innocent lives for the sake of them making profits and, and Wall Street making profits and gains from war. It is a very profitable industry. So this, this here is very critical. And in so this we see what happened this morning with the media literally using three special forces as who are dead in dishonoring their service, dishonoring their sacrifice to try to provoke another war. That's the level of corrupted deceit. And it's, it's, this is just one of these things, again, it gets to the heart of what leads this world and leads this nation. These people in power will go to any, any ends to try to create war so they can profit and they can see us launched into an insidious fight over time. So I say all these things because it's, it's a place of perspective that we have to gain in centering ourselves truly with what gives us truth. Obviously, truth is going to be rooted in our relationship with God. But we are, and I've said this many times in the last few days, but we are literally entering into the book of Habakkuk, where we are witnessing our country being invaded. And we heard this last night, which by the way, last night's show will air, will be posted shortly after this interview today, or the, after the show today. But we are walking into an era where God is bringing the, the people from all over the world. And this is something, our open borders, we are, this was said last night by Pastor Rod Parker, who is going down to the border to do revival. And his way of seeing things, and I don't disagree with him, this isn't just, a, this is really more than saying, well, the borders are being open to destroy us. This is giving us an opportunity to try to embrace people through the heart of God, through the heart of Christ. And that means a change in paradigm. That means we have to start seeing people for who they are and what our mission is beyond politics. Politics is the instrument of control, manipulation, and puppeteering. It, it works on the root of division and deceit. It creates hatred among people that are, is artificial. Politics is about power, manipulation, about having you see the difference in you and your neighbor, not because you're of the heart of the people, but because one's a Democrat and one's a Republican. One's an independent, one's a Republican, one's a libertarian, one's a Republican, whatever that is. And as you start to see these lenses this way, we don't see the heart of the person anymore. We see a brand, a tag, and a marker that's been put upon them that we no longer are able to hear them, and they don't hear us. This is how deep this is. So we, we can hear voice our concerns, and we'll just say, for example, as coming from this America First perspective, we can be speaking into somebody, and we can say, well, they don't hear, they don't hear us, and I would argue we don't hear them either. And that is because our hearts have been so hardened with this place of hatred and frustration. And it's, there isn't a blame to be thrown other than those that manipulate this. So much of what we see on the ground, the world is literally a stage. And this is something that to get deeply embedded within your thoughts, that the world is a stage. When we talk about Antifa, when we talk about La Raza, which is in the Bay Area, when we talk about BLM, when we talk about uh, 
even like some of the white nationalist stuff coming out of D.C. with those human drones that were marching around in khaki pants and 511 pants and 511 shirts carrying those shields. I mean, this has all been staged and manipulated, and it's all done with the purpose, literally, of provoking division and hate. All of these groups were funded. All of these groups were, were trained. We take the assassination of the, the prayer warrior on the streets of Portland that happened about two years ago. He, the kid came from Oregon City. He was down walking on the streets down in downtown Portland. He was assassinated. He wasn't, it wasn't a random shooting. It was a, it was a gang that had been trained. By the tactics that they used, it was evident that they had been trained by high-level intelligence operators. It was an assassination. They created a box formation around him. They created an echo in people calling out from different directions, which disoriented him. The shooter entered into that scent wearing a set of white socks, which distinguished him from the others. The shooter came up upon him, shot him twice, and then was able to escape in a window of about 15 to 20 seconds because behind them, one block away, was a vehicle that was being run by Coast Guard Special Operations that literally drove up immediately upon the scenes to try to give aid and render assistance to the kid that was shot. And they weren't able to save him. But that operation was precisely done. It was a precision kill. That isn't something that's done randomly by just a bunch of guys that are hanging out trying to be cool. These are, these are engineered teams that have been designed to provoke hatred, fear, division, all of this. And you try to and specifically target key people that will fuel and embolster, embolden flames within us of, of anger. That's what this government does. And this is what this government and the partners it works with do. They have completely turned against the people. Their objective is to break down this nation to such division and hatred that we will never recover. Part of this is flooding in people so that we'll see these people as they come across the border as with hatred in our heart that they are, shouldn't be here, that they're illegal, that they need to be cast out. And we're even hearing this in the political campaigns right now. We're talking about the greatest deportation ever. I am all about capture and hold accountable every single bad guy that's coming here with the intent to harm the United States. Absolutely. Because those are, they're going to go after innocence at the end of the day. But if, whether we like it or not, the people that have come across this border that have been deceived and been promised something that isn't here, they're still coming here with hope. And so we have a choice. You're not going to pack up 22 million people. That's that, We're getting closer to the real numbers of what we call illegal aliens in this nation. You're not packing up 22 million people. If you just think about the logistics of that, one, the airlift capacity that, that would require is beyond measure. Two, the destabilizing effect that that would have both domestically and foreign as we return these people to their homes. It's unbelievable. And that destabilizing effect is also about people that have settled into their communities. And they've settled into places that now they have become part of America, whether we like it or not. It's the fact is they've settled in. So we're going to go in and destabilize communities. And all that's going to do is create a rift and a hatred, again, to just fuel that. So there's a, there's a reality that we have to face as we say, love thy brother, and we have to feed the sick and take care of them, and, and those, are, those are the innocents and the vulnerable. That's part of the walk in Christ. And I say all this because in a bigger place of this, we win this war through love, and that supersedes politics. It's a great campaign thing to start running around talking about exporting, deporting every single person that comes in here. Again, 100%. If you've come here to do ill, 
you're going. One way or the other, you're going home. If you're a child that's been trafficked, we need to return you to your home and to your family without question. And those that have been part of that trafficking, you need to see another end. The millstone would be where I would begin. But the people, the families that have come here, we have to be very, I think we have to open our hearts and look at this very differently. Because I think as we engage these families and we introduce them to our faith and we introduce them to the roots of this nation, which is anchored in in the love of Christ, and we introduce them to what this truly is as a gift, I think that you we will witness a transformation that's unbelievable and people that not only love this country, but will fight for this country in ways that many Americans today won't or can't. They're the heart of the nation, and this is has to be one of, of embracing the passion of the gift that's been given to us and protecting it. The watchers on the wall, those that are building the wall with a brick in one hand and a sword in another, that's an ongoing theme. It isn't just a one-off. And this is a difficult moment in our history. And, and, I, and I can almost guarantee you, as I speak these words, there's, I mean, there'll be emails or there'll be notices of, of people in discontent trying to say that, you know, I'm trying to modify this message or somehow I'm trying to weaken the stance. This has always been a fierce stance that I've had in, in terms of protecting the root of what we need to change. Our nation has to get to a change in accountability and a change in moral character. If we don't correct those two roots, we can win every war and we will lose every battle and we will lose the war, bottom line. And part of that change in in moral character is to be able to sit back and say, I will not be manipulated by politics. I will do the duty which God has put on my heart, which is to see the heart of another. And there's the big one, because it doesn't matter our mission in the body of Christ. Our when, when I say, I should say it this way, it doesn't matter our, what our politic body is in our country. It doesn't matter what the leadership is. Our mission within the body of Christ never changes. Our mission is preach the gospel of Jesus, heal the sick and the broken, cast out demons, raise the dead, seek the greater works. All of that is about, in the end, building amazing bridges and unity within the body of Christ. Politics, whether it's a Republican government, a Democrat government, a Republican government in the terms of the way our founding fathers saw it, a tyranny, a king, whatever we have, that mission doesn't change. Our governments change, that mission doesn't change. And as we stay steady on that mission, I guarantee you the way this country is governed stays much more stable and steady than anything we could possibly imagine. And it won't be just through the vote. But unfortunately, politics gains leverage and power by manipulating the feelings and hatred towards one another. And it's something we have to be bigger and greater than. And it's there that the revival of the church and the revival of the pulpit becomes so important. To see, like we heard from last night, pastors like Pastor Rod Parker that are saying, I am being called to revival. I'm going to the border. I'm setting up a tent. We're going to sit there. We're going to, we're going to give people food. We're going to give people blankets. We're going to tend to them and we're going to pray for them. We're going to baptize them. We're going to deliver them and we're going to create something greater than the event that they're currently in. I mean, consider this, uh, then we, what happens and it's just quite amazing when we consider this is that we are allowing these people to come across the border. And I, I just really want this to settle into people's hearts. We are the people that are being encouraged. And remember, this is a recruiting campaign that's going on all over the place. And don't get me wrong. I, I will keep saying this. There are bad guys within the mix. This is why the open borders becomes so difficult in a, in a national debate because 
many of the people out here that are for open borders aren't seeing that there's literally they're being used as an invasion of the United States. And it's twofold from the from the elite's point of view. They want to bring in a population that will replace America, that will be obedient to them and enslaving to them. On the same hand, they want to embed with that terrorist organizations and people that truly intend to do harm for a couple of reasons. One, they want to use those in our communities that exist to be able to create terror and upheaval and mayhem so that Americans become another a country constantly in the state of fear. And that includes the new ones coming in that are living and being raised in this nation as, as a state of fear. And at the same time, that they can blackmail the government by promising more of that if they don't comply with strategies. These are, this is part of the main issue of bringing in the terrorists. When we see the influx of people coming across the border, though, the people that are allowing the terrorists coming across are the same ones that are handling the people coming into this country for reasons of hope. So we're literally saying, okay, you are all the same. Every one of you coming across the border is a terrorist and you're an alien and you don't need to be here. I can't rock with that. I can't walk with that. Because that's no different than someone saying to me, in a, in a smaller sense, I put my child in public school and now I don't understand why he wants to, he or she wants to change his gender while they no longer love God and while they hate my family. So we're going to take the people in the mass that are flowing across the border and we're saying, hey, don't worry about it. Come on in here. We're going to let you come into this nation. We're going to let the handlers of terror take care of you. And then as a culture, we're going to hate you. This is a this is like two punches to the negative that we just can't afford to do. The way we intercede and destroy that evil is to separate out the wheat from the chaff, the evil from the good, and we do that by engaging as Christ would want us to, literally, as this convoy is beginning to assemble, as the army of God on that border, to be able to come there and pray and worship and embrace those in the way that Christ would want us to and address them, to, to tend to them, deliver them, have them accept Jesus, and baptize them. That's, there's a pathway, and that's a massive pathway to success. And again, I will guarantee you this will not be a popular view because it's one that says openly that, like, well, you're, you're, you're accepting an open border policy. So to continue with that line of thinking, I am 100% for a closed border be very clear about this, and a regulated flow of people in this nation so that we bring in the best and even more, not just the best in that sense, but the people that desire the heart of wanting to be here. We don't even know what best looks like. My interpreter, uh, Manhaj, who I helped bring over from Afghanistan, when he came here with his family, he didn't even, even though he had gone to school in Afghanistan, he had no documentation even of his high school diploma. When Maj came here with his family, we got him out just at an early time. This was about 2012 or 13, when there was a tremendous amount of upheaval and there was an attempt to kill interpreters big time. And we got him out. We brought him over here. He settled in. He took himself through school. He went back and he got his GED, he got his, he went through and was able to get the American documentation. He went to, uh, got an associate's degree and then went to college and got a, a college degree. And he's now working as a lead programmer at LinkedIn in the Bay Area. 
He loves this nation. He's raised his children as American. That's, but if, he, if we had gone through the profile and said, okay, what type of degrees do you have? Are you going to be a worthy American? It wouldn't have lined up with that sort of vetting. What we need is the heart of people that want to be here. They want to love this nation. I will guarantee you 100% as I can guarantee you, even with Corey Terry's interpreter I interviewed this morning, Sammy, I can guarantee you if I picked up the phone to Manhaj and I said, Manhaj, we're back at war. I need you and I need you to stand with me. He'd be like, brother, I will be there and I will fight for, and defend this country even with my life. That's the type of people we're talking about. So to hear my heart on this, and you will hear others are heart on this, the, the challenge we have in America is right now, there is a, a war going on. There is a war going on against the very culture here. And we're being pointed to hate one another rather than hate the instruments of this war. The instruments of this war, the people, we need more people standing up against, and we've talked about it so much, is the media, is the government, are the leadership in our military, the leadership in our corporate boardrooms, the leadership in our legal systems, the teachers. These, these are the people that have been willfully part of trying to destroy a nation and destroy children. And if we get to the root of all things, the one bridge that should bring us all together is the love of children. Other than the coyotes and the, and the agency fools that have been or trained by, by intelligence agencies coming across this border that are trying to profit on trafficking human beings, they all need to go. And they can go in many different forms, including a permanent dirt nap or a body bag back home. I don't care. But when we get to those families that are coming here that are being victimized, there is no family that has children that values their idea of having their children taken from them, trafficked, or having to sell them off. One of the most horrific things I came across in Afghanistan, and this is just the, the horrors of what you're dealing with, was the these Taliban that were truly, all they were were assets of intelligence agencies, at least trained by them. And they would literally take, go into a impoverished family. They would convince the family that the family, if they would offer them, uh, take one of their children, that they could give them a, a life insurance policy, essentially for their child, that would guarantee their financial stability for the rest of their life. And then they would work with them. And this was not uncommon coming out of the madrasas especially, to target a young girl or young boy, particularly young girls, and convince them that it was if they could sacrifice themselves for their family, that their family would be better off because they would be giving their life to give their family financial security. They would drug that girl with opium or heroin, usually opium, and then indoctrinate that child with intense psychological in. Uh, inoculation. And then the next thing you know, you've got a young girl walking into a, a playground, walking into a public event with a suicide vest on that self detonates or worse is done by a remote detonator. And the child doesn't even know they're carrying the vest for that. And they're killed. And it turns into this impossible dynamic of, of horror because it's a child that has now been carrying a bomb to kill other people. And it's all been manipulated by a single hand of people that want to use everything they can to create permanent blood rifts and divisions, exploiting the vulnerabilities of a family, exploiting religious, religious aspects. And then of course, what does the media say? Well, this is obviously a representative of a broken a culture so desperate, so desperate that they're left with having to launch their own children to fight a war, a, a, a war to save their life and to save their religion. That's a complete lie. And this is all manipulated by the same people, the same people that will literally do whatever is necessary 
to win, and we're seeing it right now. Someone said here, with all due respect intended regarding Scott's points, but just sharing, and I'll add this, you just can't have this amount without deportation. What people aren't understanding in this place is, I never have said no deportation. What I have said is you are not going to deport 22 million people. That's stupid. It isn't going to happen and logistically can't happen. So people are getting very confused with the concept of what this is about because they like to buy in with a simple solution. They were just going to uproot 22 million people. This is what we're dealing with in numbers. Even to deport 3.9 million people, I want you to think of the volumes that are coming across the border and how long this has been going on. This is the number the media uses, 3.9 million. And I want you to, you have to sit back and you have to start being honest about this. These people are settling into communities. They're becoming anchored here. And if you think for a minute you're just going to start doing mass raids across the country and tearing up every single family and uprooting them and sticking them on a plane and thinking the country is going to heal, it ain't going to happen. So there's going to have to be a a multi-tiered strategy. You have to root out the evil. And the criminals, they have to go. That is just not going to work any other way. You have to break. But to even get to that place, you have to get to the root of this problem. This problem is being driven by NGOs, which, by the way, are American. Be very clear what I just said. You want to deport and arrest people? Start with the fools that are making this happen. We look at those coming in as the evil, and we don't want to take a time to say, oh, yeah, by the way, it's Americans that are trying to destroy America. Yes, it is. It's our government and it's non-government organizations, NGOs that are part of this, including members of the military-industrial complex. So as we try to look at this problem from this simple place and say, oh, we're just going to deport people, I don't hear anything talked about. We need to dismantle the NGOs and hold these people inaccountable as treasonists to this nation. I don't hear anything about the discussion of we need to dismantle the elements of the military industrial complex that have been instrumental in moving these people around the nation. I don't hear anything about the fact that the other than little discussions here, Pete Chambers and a few others, that the same people right now that are paying, being paid to move these people in are already signing contracts to move them out. If you tell me that's not a financial scam using human body, human trafficking, you're mistaken. So the whole concept here is very simple. The root of the problem is not first and foremost about the issue of the people. They're the victims, many, many, not all, many are the victims of a recruiting strategy and a promise to bring them in here while those that are working to do that are being paid to instrument a destruction of the country. The focal point is getting to the root of the criminal movement that is moving these people in, which includes and most and many organizations which are literally American. And when we start to understand that level of deceit, as even in this in this interview, which you'll hear later, um, tonight or tomorrow with Corey Terry and Mohammed Rafi. I mean, here's the level of deceit in Afghanistan. Intelligence agents became mullahs to generate hatred specifically under the name of Islam so that we would all hate Islam based on people that were stepping into the role of mullahs so that they could gain personal power and control over people, basically slaves. Th- this is the world we're in. So we're seeing the same thing happening here. The victims of this are, we can focus in on a a victim mass. In a desperate move of people coming here in hope and being encouraged to come here with promises that aren't true, they are migrating up here. 
And you're with that mass migration without any sort of filter and any sort of catch at the border. We are, we do have a problem and we do have to go through it and we have to filter some of that out. So yes, there is a deportation aspect to this that we have to face, but there is also an aspect of this that we have to start facing an integration and restoration that has to happen. And in the principle of the Christian value of that, those people in those hearts need to be brought to this, this country in the right way. And instead of casting them off to be handled by the same Satanists that are creating the problem and expecting that somehow this is going to magically fix itself, we need to be stepping up as Americans to say, okay, here's the problem, and we need to get rid of these people, and beginning with the people in our government, the people in the NGOs, the people that are literally creating the problem, that would be a first step. Going to war against the cartel, another good idea. Going to war against the domestic terrorists or the organizations that have settled themselves to be domestic terrorist organizations now, like Hamas, that have come in here, and, and other organizational groups that have come in here to do straight terror on our soil. You want to start with a solution. That's where we begin. In the meantime, before you can get to the others, you have people here that are settled in. And the longer they settle in, the more they become part of our culture. So we either engage them and start working with the teaching and appreciation of what this country will gain, or we lose that fight on a political realm because typically without an introduction to what this nation is about, the first group they vote for because they are on the front lines engaging them are the Democrats. Because the NGOs and these these deceitful liberals that are out here pushing this agenda are not talking about an improvement of America. They're talking about a tearing down of America by being the first ones in these people's face, offering them free stuff and telling them to vote a certain way. And a people that had come here for the first time have no other experience, no other engagement. And so of course they're going to vote Democrat because they're the ones giving them the free money. They're the ones giving them the free phone. Of course you are. So how do you disrupt that? You disrupt that by doing what Pastor Rod Parker is doing down on the border. You engage them as they come across the border. You engage them as a Christian. You engage them as coming in and giving them blankets and food, something to eat. You give them, uh, you teach them, you bring them into scripture. You bring them into a place of revival. You give them saved through Jesus and you deliver them. That's how you engage them. Otherwise, this is a failed strategy. And with this, all these other, these people will continue to flow in. We will never see a, a change in this culture. It will get worse and there will be more hatred because a strong arm tactic here of just trying to uproot 22 million people after we've already gone through COVID con, mass deaths of people, families fractured, relationships fractured. And if we think that's going to create healing, we're fooling ourselves. And not a popular view by many. And, and I, I, I don't really care. Because I know I'm biblically sound when I stand on it. I know it's the heart of God. So it's that simple. And that's just the walk that I make in life. So it's, it's one of these things that too quick to point our finger at the wrong thing. And that's this whole hatred that we have built into our culture. It's quicker to point a finger than it is to get to the core solution of what we need to do. The solution begins with getting rid of this despotic leadership that we have that's rooted in our higher echelons of our military, that's rooted in the military-industrial complex, that's at the heart of Wall Street, the same Wall Street that manages your retirement funds, the same Wall Street that promises you wealth and, and the riches of avarice. If you'll invest with them and put your money in their hands so they can turn it and churn it and help start up, start up companies and so forth, that's 
the material obsession of this culture that until we get back to that moral and, and reset of a nation, we're going to continue to fall into the same pits. Behind all the industries, behind the stability of the dollar, behind the stability of the banking industry, which is better said, which means that every investment in Wall Street, one way or another, when it trickles down, which is the stability of the banking industry, there are two major, three major industries, excuse me, that back that, three, that create a stability for those industries that they can guarantee. And what are they? One is drug trafficking. Two is the military sales of military arms sales, mil the military industrial complex. And three, the trafficking of human beings. Those are the three pillars that keep this economy afloat. So if you're investing in Wall Street, just understand that your investments reflect that sort of are part of that industry, that sort of operation to stabilize the economy. And if you're putting it into funds like Vanguard funds that are pre-chosen, you have no idea where that money's actually going other than this is a nice long-term retirement fund. This is a short-term growth fund. This is a, a high yield fund. You have no idea where that money's going. And since Vanguard is like a private entity, we don't even know who's in it or what's behind it. They don't have to show their books. So the corruption in this world that we're in is, is deep and it is, gets to the heart of men. We lose the perspective of the humanitarian sense of what it is to walk with Christ. If our churches become churches where it's people aren't welcome, if you ultimately you're not welcome, if you can't pay the bill and put the money in the offering plate. How many churches are opening their doors right now, welcoming in people that are coming in in this border infusions invasion, but asking them to come in to have, take refuge, to learn about Christ, to be saved, to be delivered? How many churches are doing that? Of course, not many, because to do that would be like, oh, doggone it! I, you know, my my social hour on Sunday when I like to get my coffee at the latte bar at the, at the mobile latte bar is now being disrupted because I've got people here that are dirty, some are unwashed. They, they need food, and and we have to now give our money to providing food, kitchen money. I mean, this is the sort of stuff we're talking about that we should be doing, but we're not. And that's the heart of the nation right there. That's the heart of the nation. And part of that is, is Americans have never had to live through war and go through mass refugee changes and see and literally see what war does. And when you walk that, and you see that, and you see the destruction of war. Kabul, Afghanistan was a really high traffic place in the 60s. It was a Mecca for Western people. One of the reasons it was a Mecca for the elites, especially, is it was marijuana was legal. But besides that, it was culturally rich. Beautiful buildings for opera and, and performing arts. It was a culturally rich nation. Between the war with Russia, the invasion, and then later what, was, what happened was that Pakistani intelligence moved in to try to create a perpetual chaos in Afghanistan. They pitted five warlords against each other, each promising each one the all sorts of riches, powers, and wealth. Afghanistan went into a state of civil war for well over 10 years. And everything that was Afghanistan was literally destroyed. You drive through Kabul and you see the remnants of buildings, of opera houses, of, 
of libraries, of buildings that were there. And when I say remnants, it's the it's the blown out shells with riddled with bullet holes everywhere because the war was that personal and that local. If you think for a second they don't want that to happen here, you're wrong. They want to erase. And what that is is there is a part of Afghan, Afghanistan's history that has been erased. We'll never find it. And you'll never see the greatness of some of the things that are in that country unless there's major change. I've been privileged to walk in places few people in the West have. I've walked in Alexander the Great's castle, literally, that had been turned into a military operational base. The archaeological depth of that is unmeasurable. I've walked in the very places where you have, the, like when you hear stories of Rudyard Kipling, they were written from there. I've walked in those places. I've walked into places where literally Genghis Khan had his castles. I've walked in those places. And to walk with Afghans, it will tell you the history of those places. That existed. And it's been devastated by war, destroyed, history erased. That's how they play their game. And once history is detached from us, we lose who we are. They've been doing a great job in this nation separating us from the root of who we are. And one of the great wars that they've waged is to separate us from our faith. A nation that doesn't walk with God, hasn't been walking with God, and the churches that no longer teach the power of the pulpit based on our history, the root in the Declaration of Independence, those powerful sermons rooted in the Geneva Bible and, and the, the sermons that they were speaking of against tyranny. We don't hear much of that anymore. That's part of separating us from our root. And so it, it, is, it falls to a remnant now to stand and say, okay, we have a choice to make. Because America as a whole, and we can all collectively agree on this. If you can't agree on this, I think you're on the wrong channel, to be honest with you. That is literally America as a whole was asleep, willfully compliant, and turned its back on its history over the last three years when COVID con rolled in driven by fear and the inoculations of terror and fear in their hearts, which were seeded over years of media. They didn't turn to God. They turned and they trusted a tyrannical government. They rolled up their sleeves and said, I'll take a shot because that'll save me. That's not the root of our nation. Never has been. And at the same time, we watched this invasion strategy. And so just to watch this happen over the last three years, who has stood up? We're three years into this. I'm not criticizing this convoy. I think this convoy going down to the border is great. But where was that convoy three years ago when the same people were screaming out, it's going, it's not working? We've allowed this border invasion to go on, not just now, but years before. This has been going on heavily for the last 30 years. And little by little, this has begun worse, and the flood has opened up even more. But no one's responded to it. The politicians say we're going to talk about it. People say, okay, and we go on our way. We have to change the orientation of how we see our responsibility in this nation and what our responsibility is. And ultimately, that roots into our love in the body of Christ to see the things through the eyes of our Father. And so you listened to Pastor Rod Parker last night, and his vision from God was powerful. It's that God said, and this is in line with the book of Habakkuk, God said, I have... I have literally been walking in a place now where I'm going to bring nations to you and you're going to have to bring them all to Jesus. That was his vision. And this is literally, I think, as I think we are seeing. So we're having to make a decision of where we want to walk. 
And we have to ask ourselves a legitimate question for all those eager to deport everybody. Is that the heart of Christ? And there's the question to leave with today. In the eagerness to ship everybody out, other than shipping out that of evil, is it the heart of God that we are approaching this with to take every person that comes here, uproot them and send them home and send them on the way? We can all answer that through prayer. And I'll leave that right there. Patriots, today we're going to we're going to close with a prayer with a few specific prayers. There is um, there's somebody here that does need prayer, and I just got this this morning. Um, and hang on just a second while I get this. Okay, so this is we have a person we have a person by the name of Kirby. Um, this uh, Michelle and Leah have been praying for them, and Pastor Devonese has been visiting Kirby. Uh, this is an older couple. Kirby had a, a stroke, and uh, I'm just going to read some of this here. This comes from Michelle this morning, but um, and he's still not conscious. But they're taking him off of a ventilator this morning, to my understanding. And we need to pray for him, um, Pastor. This, I just want to talk about faith here for a moment. Kirby's wife has such faith. That when Kirby had the stroke, the first person, the first call she made was to Leah to ask Michelle and Leah to pray for his healing. That's how much faith this woman has. And then she called 911. Okay. Pastor Devonese says has been going to visit Kirby and has been in direct contact with Rose. That's his wife. She is an absolute saint. It looks like the time to take Kirby off the breathing tube is tomorrow at 7 p.m. We are standing and believing that the Holy Spirit will breathe the breath of life into his lungs, which I fully agree. So this is from Pastor Devon. He spoke to Rose this morning. We've been talking with social worker and working on details to have the breathing tubes removed. They have moved Kirby to a larger room so he can now facilitate more visitors at once. And just received... From Rose, pray, pray, pray. Doctor just left. A time is being set for Wednesday at 7 p.m. to remove the breathing tubes. The rest will be in God's hands, sending you a video link that says it all. This is wonderful. So we'll begin our prayer this morning for Kirby. I think this is important. Also want to mention that on November 10th, I'm November, February 10th, Michelle and Leah and Pastor Devonese, I believe, is going to be there. I'm not certain about that, but I believe she is. They're running the Dan Patch Revival, and you can get that information off of their site in Indiana. So check that out. It's going to be really a great event, and uh, but it'll be all, all focused on revival, Holy Spirit, healing, the whole thing. And that's going to be on February 10th in Indiana. You'll get go to theresistancechicks.com, check that out, and I'll have more information on that tonight. So... Father God, I just want to open our prayers this morning for Kirby and his wife Rose, just absolute true believers and saints in the the miracle healing. And we're going to declare miracle healing over Kirby to breathe life into his lungs and life into his heart. Father, we've seen somebody who has continued to hang on and their prayers slowly improve from a, a very severe stroke. And we just honor to begin with Rose, who had such faith in you that before even calling emergency services, she turned to others to pray for her husband to heal. So we bless her and we pray life into her. And we just 
Pray into her to say, Rose, continue to speak life to your husband and pray life into your husband. Pray into him, put your hands upon him, and pray into him and speak life and pray hard as his, as his wife. Father, we just ask that you will hear those prayers as we stand in alignment and agreement with Rose, as we pray life and restoration into Kirby. And we lift him up and we proclaim in the name of Jesus, miracle and immediate healing above him and over him and through him in all things. So Father, we, we pray this healing. We place a hedge of protection around him. And especially as we enter into a time on Wednesday in which they intend to remove the, the tube, the and the breathing tube. And so, Father, at that moment and through this next moments, we ask for a miracle of, of healing to occur. And Jesus, just ask that you can make your presence known and felt by both with hands on as we place hands up on around Kirby and breathe into him and breathe life into him, that we will see a miracle happen of miracles, that even the tube that will be won't even be necessary well before that time, 7 p.m. Wednesday, that he will begin to regain function and response in his brain, and that this time of, of restoration that's been happening within him will be complete and he'll be ready to step into a reawakening with a testimony of testimonies to talk about the miracle God and the healing of the miracle God. We declare healing over him in the name of Jesus and the blood of Christ. Amen. And so, Father, we also continue this prayer today with a prayer for our nation, a prayer for the nation of the heart of our nation. We just ask that the, the question that needs to be put before us, us all is what is the heart of Christ? How would Jesus ask us to walk in this hour? We are dealing with an unprecedented evil, a deceit that is rooted deep within our own culture, of people that truly hate who we are. They want to see this nation torn up from within. Equally, there are people with misled hearts that think that just opening up our borders and allowing a mass flood of people in will somehow result in a better society. Which I think if we get to the root of that, it's very selfish as they're trying to protect their vote and try to secure power to ensure that their agendas, which are anti-God and anti-human, will continue. So, Father, we rebuke those strategies. We break those chains off and binds that are holding on people's hearts. And we will pray into those strongholds of the demonic that is trying to influence this complete and total destruction of a nation, a nation that you gave us to steward. And, Father, we pray in instead to a nation of unity under one God, one nation under God, and we pray into the heart of Jesus to arise, that truly that when we face evil, we face evil with decisiveness, with, the, with the, the focus and intention, even as David, Gideon, or Jesus, or uh, Joshua faced evil. We have the might of the flipping of tables and the revealing of truth and the speaking of truth into this hour. But equally, Father, we have to look at those that are coming across, the heart of what that represents, the heart of those that truly and honestly want to be in this nation for a better way of life. And we pray into this, that discernment that allows us to engage them when they enter, to start using that compassion that we, are, we need to have in our heart to provide them with food and shelter, to introduce them to the Gospels, to literally save them in the body of Christ and to deliver them from the darkness and evil that rests in their heart. For those that in, in evil, in the darkness of evil, we have to have the courage of the prayer warriors to step across and engage even the members of the cartel, to introduce them to Christ, to awaken them to the consequences of what they do, and to bring them humbly before the throne to repent. And with that will and that courageous heart as we do that, we will see a transformation in this world as we fight first in the war of the spirit and, and watch the war of the flesh transform. 
We're eager to go to war. We're eager to cast out. We're eager to do all these things, but we don't seem eager as a nation to place on the places of, of rescue and heal and restore. So, Father, we, we pray into that heart of Jesus to rescue, to heal, to restore, and to bring these people to this land that those that want to stay, those that have the heart to stay, can truly be saved and brought into the fold of a most amazing gift that they've been given, even if it's been led here by, by being deceived as to what they would receive, but to inspire the spark of righteousness that will love this nation even more. And so, Father, this is a difficult time, a difficult time that we'll struggle with as we go forward. We'll have heavy discussions and debates that with the root of so much of this, unfortunately, is a fear, a fear that speaks into these words, replacement, because we know that people are stirred by this, the idea that we're going to lose our nation, that it won't be our nation anymore because we're being replaced. And yet there has to be an accountability. We pray for that accountability. The choices we've made to have small families, the choices that we've made to step away from the engagement in politics, the active role of holding our politicians accountable, the choices we've made to choose material culture over a walk in faith. These are root issues that are difficult. The choices we made as a nation to obey a government that was betraying us with a shot rather than turning to you first, our Father and our Healer. So, Father, this is an era and age of accountability in the deepest accord. We have before us a tremendous choice. We have well over 22 million people that have come into this nation. 22 million people that in a political rhetoric were saying we're going to uproot and deport. It's a concept that's not even possible. Strategically, logistically, it doesn't work. But it sells well in the hearts of those that are riddled with fear. What we need is wisdom. We need wisdom to be able to discern in this hour that we are going to separate that which is evil from that which is intended to be good, that in the process we have to engage them with the heart of Christ, to have them face whom they are, face their sins, and ultimately have an opportunity to repent. But we have to also begin with the root of this, which begins within our own government, we are witnessing victims coming across that have been exploited and manipulated for the benefit of an elite few, and we're waging war in our hearts on them rather than putting the emphasis on the deceit that has been driving this. This is the nation which we are in right now, a nation that has been so deeply infested and infiltrated by those with hateful hearts that don't walk with Christ, atheists and, 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 and agnostics, and people who have rejected you, Father, that now more than ever we pray for a, a moment across this world for every heart to receive an encounter with Jesus, a moment when the presence of Jesus and the feeling and overwhelming presence of forgiveness and the loving heart of our mighty King will be within everybody's heart and present within their dreams, whether it be a waking dream or, or a sleeping dream, that this moment will be one of transformation to truly make the choice of whom you serve. Are you serving yourself and your and which leads to the to the Satanist gods of do as thou will, without any consequence or salvation? Or are you seeking that path with Jesus? To where you humble yourself before the throne and take accountability for your life and seek repentance, and then walk within that place to be atoned and accountable to you, Father, reborn fully within the kingdom and within the body of Christ. Those are our choices. And so in this hour now, Father, we pray for that amazing moment of shaking to the very root of who we are. 
a shaking of turning us to put our eyes on the throne and not our eyes to hate each other and to find in that that discernment that's necessary to literally separate the wheat from the chaff, to see that which is evil and to have it removed, to see that which has the heart of kingdom or the heart of good or the heart of the innocence that we can raise up and nurture and restore. Bless us in this hour, Father, as a nation, as a people. In Christ Jesus' name, amen. Definitely not easy times and not easy questions to answer. And it isn't a point here of making everybody happy, but it is a point of challenging us all to question that walk that we make when we're so eager to seemingly take as a nation, we're so eager to take what seems to be a very quick and easy solution to something that is much more involved than that. Once we appreciate that moment and start to understand the greater complexities of what we face and we start to seek the heart of Christ, we will see something transform in a powerful way. I think that part of this begins on the border. I think that when it was spoken last night in the last two nights, in fact, about the border is this is truly a revival of a new level. We've had prophetic words spoken of truckers literally getting out and, and members of the convoy getting out and being on their knees, praying and repenting for this nation. I believe that will happen. I believe you will see people saved in the thousands. And as we transform that entire war zone into a territory owned and controlled by God, that is ultimately what the border should be. And so as we are facing this, this game, this it is a game to a certain degree because they're trying to pit this illusion of Texas against the federal government. And as more and more information pours out, you start to realize that all of that visual focus and discussion is centered around a place called Eagle Pass. But as we go down the border, we find open border checkpoints, no, no visible prevention from people coming in. The border's wide open. So we have to get again to the root of this, of what are we being manipulated by? What are the real issues here. And the real issues are how do we separate the true evil and intention from the good? And how do we get to the root of that true evil and either bring it in a repenting heart to the throne or it must face the judgment, which will be led by God's hand. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent, always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Bards FM. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. 
it leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made. Therefore, they can be solved by man. And man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable. And we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples. It has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. Push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath. 